0: Oh, hello, the internet, and welcome to season 143, episode one. 143, I love you. Anybody use a pager? Okay, just me. I'm old. Of this show, The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is the podcast where we take a deep dive into America's dark fucked up shared consciousness and say officially off the top fuck the Koch brothers, fuck Fox News Rush Limbaugh, fuck Sexton Ben Shapiro, Uh uh, JK Rowling okay you guys still in? you still into this? because here we're all about inclusion okay? except for people who are racist and it is Monday except for the above list (laughs) (laughs) it is Monday July 20th 2020. My name is Miles Gray, a.k.a. Turf, 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 turf. J.K. Rowling is a turf, 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 turf. She say women have to menstruate, 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 menstruate. So we call her a jerk, 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 jerk. Okay. thank you to uh, Literate Platypus at Literate Platy one for that work by Rihanna. Uh, Wonderful, inspired, a.k.a. Very appropriate for the times. And I am joined today. Cause you know, if you hear my voice first, that means something has gone awry. That means the the co-pilot is now in the pilot seat and steering Jack, this plane.
1: Jack pulled his parachute. He's out He's yeah, out he, of the plane.
0: I said, don't pull, don't open that chute so close to the door. It will pull you out. And it just
1: got to uh, be careful with that. Sure as anything, That's is something to be aware of.
0: Exactly. Anyway, that is a long way of saying that I am thrilled and honored, and pleased to inform the listeners, the guests, the general public, that I have a wonderful guest co-host today by the name of Jamie Loftus.
1: Teeth bleeding, my teeth keep bleeding blood. My teeth bleeding, my teeth keep bleeding blood. My teeth bleeding, teeth, teeth bleeding blood. Woo! <laughs> on all my cameos. Uh, that was someone who wrote me. That was that's from uh, Official Dickhead, who uh, was was roasting me for the fact that my gingivitis was acting up while I was making cameos last weekend.
0: Oh, okay, well. What sometimes happens?
1: my problem is that just my mouth is bleeding and I don't know it and then I'm like, well I already finished the cameo.
0: Yeah, well, look, when <laughs> you're, when your brain is using so much blood to power those like next level ideas you have, some sometimes It's
1: a shit going yeah, on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: They're like, "Oh, my you're rates
1: of gingivitis." Wait, hold
0: on. Well, if your gums don't bleed when you're recording a cameo, you might not be a genius. <laughs> <laughs> just some light burnage <laughs> from me just over Just some,
1: <laughs> just something to think about.
0: Some of you might want to Ponder <laughs> over yonder. Uh, Jamie, we have a yes. wonderful guest. Probably the I first know, time you excited. have interacted with this guest in podcast form. I have had the pleasure to inter- interact with this guest many times. Podcast, real life, uh, in, the, in the nation's capital, you name it. Uh, but she is the just brilliant host, uh, activist, digital activist. She's in the streets and in the digital ones and os streets. And just a fantastic podcaster, Bridget Todd. Welcome back.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. What a lovely welcome. And Jamie,
1: I have to say, you have a beautiful singing voice. Everybody. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs>
2: no
0: lies there. My
1: quarantine mixtape, I've been I've been workshopping it. Been workshopping wow.
0: It. Do you do warm-ups? Do you do like a vocal? Because I know you to be, yeah. you can get into a process much in the same way you got like shredded off of ironic Jane Fonda workout tapes. Now you, I feel like could just be there doing was, like, that, Bumblebee, Bumblebee, there was Bumblebee, nothing Bumblebee.
1: ironic about it, my friend. <laughs> I'm I am sick of this I- irony narrative. Well, I guess in the beginning, I wanted to get shredded, <laughs> and she got me there. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Uh, How's it? No, singing? yeah, Any I, I, stuff? when I knew when I knew I was going to be covering for Jack today, I did. I uh, was on vocal rest yesterday, uh- <laughs> and. Um, I was only drinking uh, hot honey tea. Did apple cider vinegar, and so mm-hmm. that is why you got the performance.
2: Oh, oh you're like Mariah Carey. She has <laughs> yeah. to have. She has to have her hot tea when she performs. It's a. Fun, that's a real fun fact about yeah. Mariah Carey. She. That's like in her writer. She must have. Oh, hot isn't tea. there? What
0: was the other thing? Love Didn't that. she need like cats or like kittens? There was like one writer yeah. that she had that was what? like, okay, what do we do with these kittens now? <laughs>
2: Whoa. I think it's kittens. Really specific lighting um, for her mirrors. Yeah, she's a very you know. Even you Jamie, you and Mariah have this in common. You know, genius takes specific needs. This
0: was and it takes from being
1: really frustrating to the people around you.
0: A 2015 <laughs> article said, "Yeah, 20 white kittens, and her. Oh, they had
1: to be white kittens. Yes, Whoa. and
0: mineral water for her dogs to bathe in."
1: Whoa, I was not expecting that sentence to go that way. All right.
0: Everyone Google uh, PDF for how to build a guillotine. Okay. Now, let us move on to give our listeners a preview for the topics of the day. Wow. Buckle up, everybody. I mean, we're going to get to know Bridget, Todd, even better. I mean, <laughs> you, like you thought we knew everything, but she will un- she will uh, unveil things. Uh, Facets of her personality we have yet to see. Uh, But then we'll move on to talk about uh, the black employees of Fox News are not happy at the moment. Um, And it's a very strange story. I, for a a moment, thought no black people worked at Fox News because it's so outwardly uh, racist. Uh, But of course, like any company, there are people who uh, find themselves in a position where speaking out typically can lead to a lot of bad results for you. So now people are starting to find their voices. This is a very interesting read. And it's sort of it almost like when you some of these anecdotes from this Daily Beast piece almost are like, that's almost exactly how I thought working at Fox News as a person of color would be like. Uh, Then we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the president. There's a lot, a lot, a lot's not going right apparently. Based on something called a poll uh, where they ask people their opinions on certain things, he is getting slammed uh, when it comes to his pandemic <laughs> response, and rightly so because um, needless, uh, there's there's just been nonstop preventable loss of life, uh, and we will sort of look into some strategies on how the White House is going to hopefully right that ship, um, and then we'll move on to talk about. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, just to check in with her, just to make sure everything's okay. Uh, If you need more motivation to vote, uh, then when I read you this piece, this should get you uh, registered and getting whatever you got to do. Line up now to vote, and then maybe we'll talk about Burger King's new like weird fart based ad campaign. I was
1: very upset to see that in the doc. That was a story that once I saw it, I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to know. I didn't know I I I needed it.
0: Uh, so we'll look into that, and hey, maybe there's some real science in there. Uh, maybe not. Who knows? But before we do all that, Bridget Todd, Bridget Marie Todd, if I may, just use the whole name. That's me.
2: Uh, you, you reminded me of my dad just then. That's how I know, like, I'm in real trouble. Bridget Marie Todd. Oh, you
0: got the full name.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's funny because my mom, being Japanese, didn't know that. Wait, like that rhetorical device of calling oh. your child out by their full name. And my dad Ooh. would just be like, hey. So <laughs> it was, I never got the full name. Also, like, I don't have a middle. It's a whole thing. It's, we can talk about that later. But first, Bridget, Todd, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are?
2: Something from my search history that is revealing about who I am is the question, do you ever see Maris on Frasier? I, ju- I, I never watched Fraser growing up. I'm doing a deep rewatch now. I'm in the middle of a rewatch. And then I thought, wait a minute, you never see Maris. Like, where's Maris? You hear about her. You hear a lot of descriptions about her physical characteristics, but you never actually see her. So I, I just wanted to know if you, like, maybe the big reveal, you see her, you meet her. And I you guess the answer eh? is no. You never see her. She's never on screen. Who is,
0: I'm sorry, I don't know the first thing about oh Fraser. Oh, my. Who is Maris?
2: So Maris is um, Niles, who plays Fraser, Dr. Fraser Crane's Okay, brother. David Hyde Pierce. I if know that
0: much.
1: Mm-hmm. it is King. his
2: ex-wife or like on the sh- when the show begins they're married and they go they get separated on the show so it's his, it's his wife oh, it. soon to be ex-wife yeah but like yeah the show really she's a real like comedic part of the show because like they're always like dogging on her but you never
1: see her
0: oh love there's it.
1: definitely some like sexist tropes in there i i used to think it was really funny that i was like oh shit like Maris, she's so, like, out of control. She can't be, you know, and, and I think that also it's the joke that, like, Niles is kind of, like, a beta guy and he's afraid of her, but she's never seen. She's just a looming presence. That is a joke on a lot of TV shows, weirdly. Like, unseen... Yeah, like, like Bob
0: Sacamano in, in Seinfeld. <laughs> you know, like, always yeah. referencing him. We, we've never seen Bob Sacamano. Or Lomas. Yeah, there was...
1: There was a girl on Degrassi that you never saw. Her name was Heather Sinclair. She was just an off-screen Canadian. Who knows?
0: Was that another woman that the <laughs> characters would just, like, attack and she wouldn't be able to defend herself? So we're left with the other characters' like idea yeah. of what this person is? Right.
1: Yeah, it's such a bizarre trope. Yeah.
0: I just want to see if there's, like, characters from TV you never see. Oh, okay. So there's a... yeah. This is... Yeah, you're true. I see it. My... The things I can only remember are very early, but I guess Juanita Beasley from the Andy Griffith Show, uh, mm. whatever that is, uh, yeah. Mrs. Columbo. Oh, Mrs. Columbo. Okay. Oh, Whoa. One, one more thing.
2: Oh, another one is um, on Gilmore Girls. You never see Lane's dad, but they refer to Mr. Kim sometimes, but you never actually see Mr. Kim,
1: which oh. is so bizarre. I, I feel like people assume that he is dead, but he is not. Yes, the he president is not dead. in Veep. <laughs> oh oh yeah. shit.
2: <laughs> wow. I, I, this, I watched it religiously and this is just now occurring to me it's that you a, never so, see the I think
0: because we're so used to it you know like whether it's like things from the Mary Tyler Moore show like it's just been this like ever present thing of yeah that now we never actually take a second to be like that's right we never did see Bob Sacamano or Heather Sinclair or Mr. George Steinbrenner on Steinfeld so, <laughs>
1: they never got to speak for themselves
0: ugly naked uh, I, guy on Friends I mean, it the list goes right. on, whatever that is, but based on the screen grab, it looks like a bunch of people are groaning in front of their window. Um, <laughs> so that's one topic down. Let's move on to mm. another thing. Let's dive deeper. Let's take another layer off this onion that is Bridget Marie Todd. Um, what is something that you believe is underrated?
2: Something that I believe is underrated is Portia Williams from Real House hey. of Atlanta. Uh, you know. People think of her as just a frivolous woman on a reality TV show. But just this week, she was arrested protesting, demanding that they arrest the killers of Breonna Taylor. And she is she got she caught a felony charge. Her and 87 other protesters were arrested in Kentucky, and she was held without bond, and she's now facing five years in jail with a felony charge for mm-hmm. the simple act of demanding that the killers who killed the police who killed Breonna Taylor should face consequences. So Right. I think that she has come a long way since she thought the Underground Railroad was a physical train on the show. Um, yeah, so yeah. I'm gonna say she is she is underrated.
0: I mean, especially because oh, yeah. I remember. Look, I uh, I'm very I'm I'm well aware. I may not know about Frazier, but I damn sure know about the first five seasons of Real Housewives of Atlanta, uh, up to maybe the season where uh, who said that? Candy, are you a lesbian? Oh. <laughs> that season I think was probably the one of the last ones I fully watched. Um, but I remember like when they presented her, you know, her grandfather, Hosea Williams is like a very, very significant figure in the civil rights movement. He was like MLK's right hand, like really responsible for organizing a lot of nonviolent protests. So yeah, like I remember early on be like, how is this? She's coming from this historic family and she's like, it's a railroad. Um, so yeah, it, <laughs> growth. It's all about growth. And she growth. had that I... whack ass marriage to Cordell Stewart.
2: Oh my God. Like Cordell was the, like. I was so happy when they got. I mean, I, maybe I shouldn't say this. I was happy when they got divorced. I was happy to not have to see him on the show. And I hated how on the show he was always getting involved in like the the, the drama that the ladies had. It's like yeah. the whole point of the show is that you want to watch the ladies have drama. Nobody gives a shit what your opinion is. Like he would often be trying to get him, like trying to get Portia to like not be involved in the ladies' drama on the show. And I would be like, well, that's kind of the point of watching the show. Nobody right. cares about you, Cordell.
0: I mean, okay, the people that would care about Cordell Stewart would be a very specific type of person, and they were big fans of the 1994 University of Colorado Buffalo's football team in which he threw a Hail Mary pass to beat Michigan. Uh, <laughs> and in that sense, yes, they come from the Church of Slash. But I remember initially when I saw him, I was like, dude, I don't, Cordell Stewart is so washed. I don't even care about him in this show now. Get him. Anyway, we digress, and we've said too many names that Jamie has never heard of.
1: I was supposed to say, I'm like, I, I want to <laughs> participate. <laughs> I was like, yeah. we're, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, I think yeah. a name a concept.
0: Do you, do you watch? Have you seen any Housewives shows? Lofty.
1: No, I thought that I would in in quarantine, but it hasn't happened. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, we'll be here forever. So oh, so I've got time.
0: So uh, I mean, I'm just gonna pivot because you know what happens when I host a show. It's just a stream of consciousness conversation show. Were there shows what? that you thought you would be watching because of quarantine? Like I would not deign to put cast my gaze upon this show, but unless it's in quarantine, maybe. And you thought a housewife I show thought- might be it.
1: I thought, a house, I thought I would get really, really, really deep into reality shows I'd never seen that had a million seasons. Right. Uh, but it just didn't end up, I didn't end up, especially early, I didn't end up binge watching stuff as much as I was expecting I would.
0: But, but I got,
1: let's I got be into, real here. like Let's be YouTube, real here. Which is embarrassing.
0: Uh, but let's be real. We've also been watching the same trash reality shows we found out. Uh, were you not watching Selling Sunset on Netflix?
1: I Oh did shit, that-, that show was good. <laughs> that show's so fucked up. Chriselle. Oh, anyways. Again, um, PDF
0: guillotine uh schematic. <laughs> uh when you, whenever I watch that show, I'm like, what is going on? These people are scoffing at a $40 million home like it ain't shit. <laughs> like,
1: is, I'm like, this, this is, is so
0: violent. Um but like <laughs> so it really is, but like it's like it was like the closest thing to that movie Elysium, where you're like, these motherfuckers live Ooh. in another dimension where human Good, suffering doesn't exist
1: away. I know it's and they're so like the weird. valley
0: I'm like yeah come through to yeah. the valley i got some for you i got some for you
2: no i have to say the two of you live in live in california i i grew up on the east coast so i sort of grew up like fantasizing about California, this is what I thought California was like when I was <laughs> growing up. I was like, oh, this is how everybody Damn. in California lives. Like, I got to get out there. Everybody just, like, lives like this. This is what I thought for a very long time about California.
0: Yeah, the California Damn. that most people see is the one that's on the other side of the hill. And then mm-hmm. the valley, like, growing up in the valley, whenever I saw that on TV, I'm like, that's the west side. That's Beverly Hills. Like, talk about Moore Park and, you know, like... Like, another intersection I know. Uh, anyway, so that's just what that is. Bridget, <laughs> what about you? Were there any shows that you thought you'd watch in quarantine? Or are watching because of quarantine?
2: Yeah, I've been, like, nothing is too trashy for me. Like, the the Amen. trashier, the better in the quarantine, right? Like, I, it's funny. I thought that in the quarantine, I was going to have time for a lot of the prestige dramas that I never really got into. Um, yeah. it, and so, like, I would love to say that I've been binge-watching, like... That HBO series, Rome, or something. Like, something, like, very highbrow. <laughs> you don't
0: need to watch it. No, it's
2: like, it's like 90 Day Fiance. Hey. It's like um, Love is Blind. Hey. Also, a couple of weeks ago, um, MTV played the first season of Real World, and I DVR'd that shit. That, like, mwah, go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, another forgotten reality show that they replayed and I DVR'd and watched in one sitting is Gallery Girls, which is on Bravo, briefly. Whoa, um, yes! It is, so, like, it what is, is it? But the gallery art girls. World. It's about it's oh, about okay. the the cutthroat world of the, the cutthroat New York art world. For and sure. I think it only lasted one season. But truly, it is like a masterpiece. Like, if you ever get a chance to watch it, it is like they have they really do a good job of illustrating the sort of like Manhattan versus Brooklyn and, you know, hipsters versus like, you know, people who live in Murray Hill. It is. All of this shit, when I was first watching it, had never lived in New York yet, Like, didn't know what any of this stuff was. But at the time, watching as a young person, I was like, is this what the New York art world is like? So right. um, my television habits have definitely just gotten deeper and deeper and deeper into trashy reality TV.
0: Oh, man, this this uh. makes you want to come back to be like, you know, watch Princesses Long Island again.
2: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I I feel like we had a golden age of reality TV where it just was like so like we were still figuring out what it was and so some was of the just, shows yeah. were like truly unhinged like if you go back and watch that show rich girls with tommy hilfiger's daughter and um yes oh yes like, some of it rich was kids, like right? tr- rich kids yeah, yeah like yeah. some of it is so mm-hmm. wild like the wild west of reality tv yeah
1: I did rewatch a, uh, this was like months ago at this point, but I rewatched a reality show like from early reality shows where they were still really expensive and they would go to a different country in every episode uh, that was hosted by Anderson Cooper called The Mole. Did you did, did either of you oh, ever watch shit. that? Oh shit,
0: that was fucking, wow. Well, that was a competition that show, was right? like.
1: It, yeah, it was like there was like something like there is a mole in the cast, and you have to figure right, out who right, right. is oh, like yeah. strings having their strings pulled by Anderson Cooper. And this was like my favorite part about. I watched it originally in college because I read on like Anderson Cooper's Wikipedia page that after he like hosted this show for two seasons, then nine eleven happened, and he's like, I can't do the mole anymore. I have to be a journalist. <laughs> oh, okay. And so he, oh my god. He abandoned the mole. And uh pivoted. That's <laughs> a blast from the past. Yeah. It is a goofy reality show. Anderson Cooper is in a leather jacket the whole time, just Say standing less. in various countries, <laughs> being like, who is them all? It's great.
2: I always loved reality shows where they traveled from like place to place, like or like they went abroad, like um Road Rule semester at sea, like stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, I, was, yeah. I was I I like lived for that. Oh,
1: oh, semester
0: so at sea. What I would do for a semester at sea. Um, okay, what do you think is something that is overrated, Bridget?
2: I am so glad you asked, Ellen DeGeneres. I don't know if you all read the Buzzfeed uh. piece that just dropped. I have been a long. She's bad, Ellen Truther. I have, yeah. I have always said we were not being told the full truth about Ellen, and the story is finally here, and I'm, I'm so excited. What? What is the story? There's Wait, more stuff. She's like, basically, just that you know, her whole show. The, the mantra of her show is be kind, and the, her whole kind of ethos publicly is like being nice to people, being respectful to people, you know, especially people like George W. Bush, but whatever. And <laughs> that whole time, people who worked on the show have been sort of whispering about the fact that she's kind of a monster. When I say monster, I mean stuff like your, like staffers, if they see her in the hallway, they're not allowed to make eye contact with her right. or look at her, stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, these rumblings have been happening for so long. And then just last night, BuzzFeed dropped the piece that was like, you know, here are all the stories. It was okay. the, things that she, the things that she was accused of. I, honestly, I always knew something was up. And so for me, it feels, I feel vindicated because I've always thought like this whole public persona of being really nice and being really kind. I found it to be almost like weaponized, right? Like when she was photographed with George W. Bush being like, oh, well, my whole thing is respect for others. And it's like, yeah, you're just using that as a smokescreen to evade questioning about the fact that you're like, hanging out with someone that actually made the life of, like, less privileged LGBTQ folks really hard. So, like, what's mm-hmm. up?
0: And destroyed um, a so whole section of the world. Weird.
2: Exactly, exactly. And, like, you can't wipe that away with saying, like, oh, you're, like, be kind, be respectful. And, in fact, trying to do that is kind of like, um, it's like gaslighting. It's like, no, like, you're just using this as a way to av- avoid having to have a conversation about, you know, what it is you're actually doing. So it, I was, yeah. like, gleefully reading every... Every piece, every comment about that story. We
0: talk about her, we talk about that a lot on the show because I think in like L A and just in entertainment in general, it's like it's one of the like just generally accepted pieces of wisdom that has not been documented on an article form yet. Like you go and be like like most people are like if you know anyone who's been in orbit of that set or production, they only come back with the worst things to say. And then like when it's starting to bubble up, I think like a lot of people are like, yeah, right. Oh, that's right. Like this is local. Local knowledge that hasn't quite got to the, you know, the top yet. I feel like every city has stuff like that.
1: I'm really glad that this is finally being formally, like, formally reported. Um, I also got so confused and I thought you were saying Ellen was underrated at first, and I was like, wait a second, what does this take? Um, but <laughs> never. <laughs> but it's been, but it has been like it's it's interesting to see how like the it's kind of built up where it was like kind of early it was like okay the dakota johnson thing kind of like blew up of like oh ellen's really petty and someone called her out on it interesting and then there was like that kevin porter thread i yeah. think it was like a couple half of real months half ago, funny I, but yeah <laughs> but it was like there were so many like real accounts on that yeah. thread that you're like oh shit and then now there's the full-blown news report and this shit has hit the fan and and rightfully so well, Ooh, who'd have thought? Who'd have
0: thought? I mean, I remember too when like all the lockdown happened and like talking to people who work in late night and like TV production, how like a lot of productions either ceased or shifted to some sort of Zoom format. Apparently, like uh, she like left her entire crew out on like on a like just out to dry, right. where they're like, "Yeah, I already found another company that does this, so I'm hiring them." Like, what are you talking? You employ us to? Okay, loyalty, huh?
2: Other shows like. Deepest and Marrow, they've been able to to continue their late night, you know, their late night production via Zoom. So, like, what is happening on Ellen that's not happening on other shows? That's so special that she cannot continue to All she did was continue just, production.
0: She went to a leaner production company that specializes in Zoom stuff versus getting her entire show. To just be able to pivot to doing Zoom. Like it was like a very easy thing to do, but completely has no consideration for the people you employ and what that means for their own livelihoods. I don't know what's it's changed so since sinister. then. So I'm not yeah. trying to, you know, put that out there, but I know that that was a, a thing that was going on at the very beginning. Uh, finally, yeah. Bridget, what's a myth? What's something people think is true and you're like, that's false? That's, that's, that's not true. Or vice versa.
2: Uh, I'm going to keep with my um, celebrity sort of uh, theme here. And something that people think is true is that Monique, the comedian, is that she's like a complainer, that she like, you know, it's difficult, blah, blah, blah. But just today, she got a major win on her gender and racial discrimination lawsuit. So I feel like the common idea about the comedian Monique is that she I don't know if folks remember this. This is something that like I remember quite well. She spoke out when yeah. she got a Netflix special, basically that like she mm-hmm. was offered a lot less for her Netflix special and she alleged that it had to do with race and gender. And people were like, actually she's hard to work with. Actually, like she's unprofessional. And I guess today a court that says otherwise. A court agreed that she has that her case has merit. So that is a myth that she is like just a difficult black woman. Actually, it sounds like she's got a point.
0: Well, I think that shows you how, you yeah. know, entrenched these stereotypes are that very just reflexively a company like Netflix or their, you know, surrogates, allies in the business can go, well, she's actually difficult to work with. And people go, oh, OK, right. Angry black woman who's who's probably making it really difficult for people. Just they're just trying to do their jobs. And if she was not so angry, uh, maybe we could come to some kind of consensus. Yeah, it's just so fucking lazy. So I'm glad uh, that she's. Uh, wait so wait that there was a, a judgment made I didn't I didn't realize there was a movement on her legal case or that so or did they try and get it dismissed or something
2: So this was just yesterday this is a deadline um article from 20 hours ago Netflix loses move to axe Monique's sex and racial discrimination suit over a comedy special So essentially it's not It's it it's an incremental win for her right, I guess Netflix a- was trying to have it thrown out and a judge said no there's 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 a case here to be heard
0: yeah, they just all she did was show me what Amy Schumer got paid and what she got paid. And I'm like, okay, something's up here, even there. Exactly. Right. Even if you want to, like, yeah, the, the, the comparisons is so- are, like, really hard to look at.
1: Which is something that, like, people getting specials like that should be doing. is like, so, I mean, you have, like, if male comics who are, and, and white comics who are getting specials would just be more forthcoming about, like, here's how much I would pay. You don't lose anything by doing that. And you're helping, uh, like, it's just. Like, how much did fucking Chris D'Elia get paid for his piece of shit special prior to his camp? Like, you uh, almost certainly more, but he's a piece of shit, and and there's no financial transparency uh, in that community. It's just like that. The stigma around that needs to stop. Because yeah, like yeah, like I
0: feel like in a in a corporate Zoom call, like your salary should be like in your next to your name.
1: Yeah, So it's it's immediately
0: accessible. You're like, oh, interesting. (laughs) Okay, that's her title. Yeah.
1: Hmm." (gasps) Wouldn't uh, have thought else. you were worth that much. <laughs> uh.
2: And I also think that like the idea that, you know, if you, and I and Jamie, I would actually be very curious to hear your thoughts as a comedian, as someone who is like, you know, in this in, in the industry as well. Like, I feel like there is a stigma, as you said, around getting offered something and then questioning it or pushing back. I feel like as marginalized people, as women, as people of color, I feel like the the implication is that like, if Netflix is going to offer you a special, you should have just taken it and shut up. Mm-hmm. But we should, like, that doesn't do anything to protect you as a creator. And it certainly doesn't right. do anything for the creators who are coming, you know, coming after you who might not have, have as big of a profile as Monique. And so I think it was, a I think it's good that she in public is saying, like, it's okay for me to ask questions about how I am being compensated. Another good example is like, The woman, the showrunner behind the show, the HBO show, I May Destroy You. It was, it was like, there was this great piece of, yeah, who was like so phenomenally talented, but like, there was a piece about how that show was going to go to Netflix and that she didn't want to, didn't want to, you know, have a Netflix, a deal with Netflix because she was like, it's not clear to me, you know how I'm going to be compensated, how it's going to be treated. And I think we should normalize particularly marginalized creators asking those questions and doing so in public and feeling empowered to be like, well, wait, is this going to be a good move for me? I don't have to just say yes because Netflix comes knocking. Like I can have some agency and push back and say, I know my worth and I want to ask some questions and I don't have to just be grateful because you deign to have me join your slate. Mm-hmm.
1: That interview is so fucking incredible. And like, I'm I'm so glad that she shared that anecdote too because when she kept, I mean, I love how that anecdote ends, where it's like she keeps pushing on this uh, Netflix exec saying like, why can't I have a percentage of my own work? Like, what what is the point of that? And is kind of getting like a corporate deflection of like, oh well, it's really not that big of a deal. And so Michaela Cole says like, well, if it's not that big of a deal, then give me five percent of it, knowing that they were going to keep saying no. And before like, I, I think doesn't it go that before? Uh, she, You know, when Michaela Cole's kind of like, I'm not going to do this with Netflix and the Netflix executive on the phone, who was a woman, said, good for you. Like, off the record, good for you. You're doing the right thing. Click. Like, <laughs> yes. They know what Tell they're them. doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: And like, yeah. we should keep pushing, keep asking. A thing about that anecdote that I like so much is that she's like, she has a, a one of her negotiation tactics is just like continuing to ask questions, even when she yeah. already knows the answer. So that, like, right. they, like to get them to admit it, like I just think that's like we we have to normalize like asking these kinds of questions and not being afraid to walk away and not being afraid to ask them and not being afraid to look ungrateful or look annoying or look whatever. Like, fine, you think I'm annoying. You, you're sick of me emailing you. Fine. Be sick of it. But I'm yeah. going like, to I'm going to get my money.
0: Rhetoric, right. It's like, uh, yeah, it's a good rhetorical strategy because you're saying I'm going to get them to articulate that the reason they do it is probably because of some kind of racist or misogynistic reasoning. Uh, but mm-hmm. they're going to couch it in this corporate speak but if you keep actually you know examining it and be like well can you actually explain that for that for like at a certain point they're like look man the company just doesn't pay black people that way okay <laughs> like it's almost like that's what you know you're going to get and then they can be like okay great and because of this i am not interested in working with you good day and that right. well, a, that that definitely changes the tone versus what it is now which is you know we come for our scraps as creators and they're like here have a half half a chicken bone and that's all you're gonna get because I have the <laughs> exactly. infrastructure to get your to make you famous. Uh, but no, it, you know it's it's about well, and, doing what's right, fighting for what's fair.
1: And that and that whole you know like mentality of like being whatever quote unquote grateful for the opportunity of like you can't ask any follow up questions or you are ungrateful towards this. Right? Yeah, it's it's extremely manipulative. But I mean, I don't know. I fell for it for. <laughs> a long time oh me too i didn't fall for. i stopped still falling am. for it still am sometimes hey i've yet <laughs> yeah. to have an
0: opportunity to show that i haven't fallen for it falling for it yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> at one day oh, I'm getting paid and exposure okay cool, see you there cool. i'll transport myself to indiana yeah. or oh you can plug. get me yeah. twitter
0: verified oh, oh no mm-hmm. oh okay what about instagram oh no okay okay no. all right i'll ch- check back in eight months okay i'll thank you it was
1: good experience it was good experience <laughs>
0: All right, uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with the main stories of the day after this. And we're back, and let's talk a little bit about Fox News, or talk a lot a bit about Fox News. Uh, there's a the piece in the Daily Beast uh, just talking about how a lot of the staffers uh, especially the black staff at Fox News have you know been in a constant battle with the company their employers especially after a June 9th like company-wide call uh where a lot of employees were you know like I think this happens in many companies uh around the time of all the uprisings uh or from May 25th onward but where you know, companies have opened the phone, the phone lines, the Zoom calls or whatever to speak their piece. And in this one, it became very contentious very quickly with a lot of the black staffers asking, like, what is going on here? There has to be some recognition here that you're actively promoting, like, racism. And with everything that's going on in the country right now, this, at, at a certain level, we have to know what's going on, right? Uh, but it seems like the, the, the opinion side of the building which is the Tucker Carlson's, Ingrams, Hannity's of the world who are like we're not news. That's why we can say like just, you know, unhinged racist bullshit because we're not news, just opinions. This is my fucked up racist opinion, okay? But I'm on a news channel, so I know it's confusing to you. You'll take my opinion as news, but that's the that's the gag. Um they are the ones I think causing a lot, the most friction or uh, clearly they are. Uh they said over the past month it's from the Daily Beast article Uh, The network's Black employees, including on-air talent, have begun to openly confront management over Fox's anti-Black rhetoric, especially that of network's biggest stars, Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson. And so in one of the, you know, there are many anecdotes that are in this article uh, about sort of points that these uh, employees were raising. And in this one, specifically, they're talking about on June 29th. Ingram had an anti Black Lives Matter monologue quote which included a line that many viewed as a racist dog whistle and threat where and she said quote we will remember those who desert their colors end quote now a lot of people are like w-? they're like this is what we're talking about you know you're in the midst of all this they are trying to stoke a race war uh and however effectively or ineffectively they want and when the HR complaint was filed about this thing of like, how did this even get made? How did this get to air? I want to understand through HR what the process was for airing something like this that was so this like racist dog whistling nonsense. Their head of like diversity inclusion said that the remark wasn't racist. Who's a woman of color, by the way, wasn't racist, and it was actually a, a military reference uh, to the Civil War. Yes. Okay. And strange. Um. Uh, yeah. And strange fruit is a song about produce. Uh, exactly like what the fuck are we talking about here we know this is sort of you know some of the the goings-on at the moment
2: yeah i mean something about that is i've noticed that places like fox news they say these things that everybody knows are racist but they say them in this sort of like wink wink plausible deniability way so it's like that that allows room for a diversity and inclusion specialist to be like, oh well, that wasn't technically racist because yada yada
1: yada. Civil or like, War,
0: if you're, if you're yeah. Confederate grays right. or you were in Union blues. So remember your colors.
1: Ugh, the idea of getting away, like getting getting off on a technicality and issues, like I mean, it is like very the Fox News playbook of like, well, if you break it down word by word, you know, where exactly is the harm? But that's that's just like when. When companies feel the need to do that, it's because they are unequivocally wrong and just don't want to have yeah. to own up to it at all. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And another thing, I mean, like I, I worked for a news company, I worked for MSNBC for a, like a very brief window. It was not it was not for me. So I left. Um, but I've seen a lot of people on Twitter being like, you know, well, what did they what did these black journalists expect? Like, why would you go work for something some like Fox News? And like, like, what what did you expect? And I, I definitely understand that criticism. But the reality is, is that like it's very difficult to get a job in media, right? Not mm-hmm. everybody, not everybody has the 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 choice to be like, I was offered this job, but I'm not gonna take it because it's Fox News, right? Like if you're just yeah. out of college with a journalism degree, like good luck, right? right. Like it is it is not, <laughs> it is like not easy to find work, and so I I get where that criticism is coming from, but it just doesn't. It's not. It's not. It's almost like not fair. You should be able to get a job. And not worry that a, like a white supremacist sleeper cell is brewing within your organization while you're just trying to do your job. Like, like, right. it doesn't matter yeah. where you work. Like, it, like, I think that like shifting the blame onto these black journalists who, who join the ranks at Fox News is really letting the Fox News infrastructure off the hook for the fact that like they are cultivating such an, a hostile, toxic, racist workplace. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it shows some of the nihilism people experience around even trying to address this issue, too. Where it's like, okay, then Definitely. I guess we just have to accept that these people are out of control racists and like that's what you're doing when you go near there. Because <laughs> I don't know how we change their minds or do anything about that. So what well, we're just having to do... And I get that because at a certain point, you look at all the examples you have in the news and legislation, you're like, mm, maybe not much is changing. So what hope do we have? Uh, but to your point, there's a story even like this woman, Patricia Peart, uh who works as Fox News' booking director, another woman of color. She had constantly been like... Seeing this pattern of her training younger, inexperienced white men and women who would eventually just leapfrog her into higher positions, better pay, and a lot, and like going through all kinds of, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, like discriminatory uh, treatment. And many of her coworkers were telling her, get a lawyer and sue these people. Like, you got these people dead to rights. Like, they are fucking with, like, this is bad. Like, this is all kinds of bad. And she, for the longest time, she did not and to, uh, to your point, I think to anyone's point, you go in, uh, to any business or any kind of situation where your livelihood is on the line and you are not, and you are in the minority group of people. Your takes, unfortunately many people, when you're like whole is on the line, rocking the boat, isn't an attractive option because you run the risk mm-hmm. of having no income. And then what? Um, so even though she didn't, you know, uh, file a lawsuit. She was very recently promoted and got a salary bump and things like that. And she did give one comment to the daily beast. And I think it's, it's kind of interesting that she did. She was like, you know what? I will give you guys a comment. I know other people who are working here aren't, but I will say this. She said, quote, there've been a couple of issues that have happened with one person. And it got to the point where a complaint was made, but that was not made by me. I was asked to meet, uh, Suzanne Scott. We had a conversation about it. I was given an option of what I wanted to do. Did I want the person fired? I said, no, I received an apology and the issue never came up again. The N-word was not used, but there were other comments that were inappropriate and insensitive and it was not a one-time thing, but it was not something that was ongoing. That's already like the,
1: yeah. the
0: a soundbite from somebody who was... Whether she was asked to say that or not, clearly somebody who could not fully express how they felt about it, especially when you read something like, well, the N-word wasn't used. But not
2: really, and it's
0: like, oh, no, 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 please, Patricia. And I and I have no, I don't falter in any way, but these are the dynamics of what it's like even to be woman of color, person of color, uh, LGBTQ. If you are not like, you know, in the, the mainstream of what people look at as our workforce in this country, it is very difficult to advocate for yourself, especially when the dynamics are like this. But it's hopefully these are the kinds of changes we can see where people can be a little more vocal about it clearly everything that was going on in the country had motivated these employees on this call to like take a stand and actually speak up unfortunately none of the people like the tucker carlsons and laura ingrams were on this call to be able to even like account for their own nonsense because tucker carlson you know last week he's like i'm going on vacation because my head writer was you know outed as like a terrible white supremacist anyway that's not my problem though like i gotta go i'm i'm fishing with my kids Around. On
1: an unrelated note, I'm sleepy. You're like, Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Excuse you, you're sl- oh, the- okay. <laughs> You're what now?
0: Yeah, uh, it's-, it's
1: it's so frustrating to. I mean, so many. The way that so many of these stories seem to be playing out is that there is an increased like look, uh, and there's increased perspective on what experiences at and in, in professional environments are like. But then it just resolves as a PR move on the part of the company. And then exactly how much does change where it's like yeah. I think that companies seem to have this very real and present fear of their marginalized employees being mad at them. But they don't they, it's, it still hasn't led to any meaningful like Well, it's, it's, this,
0: it's like the same reason why there is no progress on like having a real racial reckoning in this country because white people have the same mm-hmm. thing. Like much so you say the company assumes that their minority employees are already mad at them. It's like the way white people assume every minority person is mad at them. That's why <laughs> right. they're like, because I know it's bad and I know white people do bad stuff and like I get, I'm pretty sure they're mad. So I don't know if I'm going to even like talk to them because I don't want the smoke even though I am pre, this is all preconceived smoke that I have not seen myself. You know, it, mm-hmm. that's like a barrier to even having these discussions because one side is looking at is like, these people are so angry. I don't know what to do and I'm not even going to deal with it because I wouldn't know the first thing to say to even get these people to not be mad at me. So like, fuck it. I'm just going to let that problem fester in the corner till it becomes a situation that I'll have to deal with when it becomes fully chaotic and out of control when really just having these discussions very openly and being able to hear a person of color say, you know, I wasn't comfortable saying something because I felt like if I had been openly telling this company about some of the racism that exists and the racism that employees experience that there would be retribution against me. And I think that's something as an employer, I would like you to consider that, you may not have been hearing these things because the environment feels that there will be retribution and retaliation for advocating for ourselves. And I'm sure someone would be like, well, that would never happen. I mean, th- that's what the that's what the legal, the HR and legal team does. But like, they would never say that. But we have to, ha- like, these are the things. Like, we can't go into this with like some inbuilt awkwardness. And rather than just trying to be able to speak to each other too on some level. It's very frustrating.
2: It mm. is. And like, I- honestly, not to get too personal, but like, At a different time in my life, I worked nine to five full-time jobs in mostly white, you know, spaces, Mm -hmm. nonprofits, corporate media companies, places like that. Same. And right now, yeah, we have a very similar experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, most of my work, like my my work structure has totally changed. I work for myself. I'm happy to work sometimes alongside those structures, but never fully within. And I used to, you know, when I was working in these offices, these like white offices, I never felt comfortable. I had to smile through inappropriate shit on a regular basis. I had to like, just like, I I, I kind of had told myself that like, part part and parcel of working in mostly white spaces as a marginalized person is just like this is this is what it feels like. This is what it's like. And when I got sick of that, I you know started working for myself and decided I would only you know I would never kind of like have to work in someone else's you know nine to five infrastructure. And I always just thought like, well, I guess I couldn't hack and I guess something was wrong with me. I guess like I wasn't strong enough to take what was like, what I had convinced myself was like, just the climate of like, of like the reality of what I had to deal with. Looking back now, nobody should have to put up with this. Like going into a workplace shouldn't be a daily process of, you know, grinning, grinning through stuff that makes you feel really invisible and hurt and unseen. That shouldn't be part of anybody's workplace. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it, the fact that i like was experiencing it and and like couldn't hack it wasn't because i was weak it was because some it was because like that was going unexamined like no one was talking about yeah. the kind of things that like their marginalized employees were having were being asked to like swallow every day just to get their work done
0: right and i think that's just that thing of just we've been so conditioned to just accept white supremacy for what it is like that it exists and we just have to deal with it you know what i mean like we just got to deal with it and that's like the change now is being like, well, hold the fuck on. No, 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 nobody has to deal with this shit, actually. And if there are enough people, if we have each other's backs, we can effectively do a lot to move past this sort of frame of thinking of just sort of like accepting that white supremacy is just going to exist at every level. And there's just really not much we can do about it, because I think we're seeing signs that there are things that can be done. It's just a matter of, you know, standing together to do that and do the right thing. Um, let's move on. To uh, another group of people that also needs some help, uh, the White House and the, the the Trump administration. And when I mean help, I mean they need help getting their shit out of sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue and put in a storage unit and getting the fuck out. Um,
1: <laughs> they need it, a cube.
0: It is. Oh yeah. Or what's the other one where they're like they put it in a storage center it's another box you can leave and it's a pre-roll Ooh, like there's
1: another box
0: there's another look dude bo- abandoning your property services are fucking <laughs> in right now um, it's
1: true yeah
0: i mean i would love to be one of those at the cube right is the other one we see a lot
1: the cube yeah or whatever do I, don't,
0: I don't know why I'm i've like... done
1: the cube when i've had to skip town
0: quickly <laughs> <laughs> so it is pretty well documented at this point that the president's pandemic response has been uh, what I would say less than, uh, to put it very lightly. Um, and in the beginning, it seemed like many people were willing to sort of tolerate just a little bit of death as a treat, um, as long as it was happening away from them. Uh, and I knew at the time when we were talking about this very early in the choir, we were looking at these polls and being like, what the fuck is going on? But we were in cities where the pandemic had hit and was already disrupting things. Many other places in the country had not at this point. So it was still kind of obscure. Cut to now, um, and the the landscape is completely, completely different. Now, sixty mm-hmm. percent of uh the you know of, of respondents to this national poll said that they disapprove of the president's handling of COVID. Now that's a pretty big shift because in March 51 percent of respondents said that they approved then in May it was 46 percent so it's slowing going down then cut to now mm. it's 38 percent that approve. So that's oh, wow. a okay. lot of a that's a lot of support to lose. I mean I, you know that's always yeah. the thing I'm interested in, is how many people are willing to be like, yeah, it's fine because these deaths are fake or that I'm willing to like rationalize that they're necessary but that's it that's pretty significant and the disapproval rating, they started off at forty five percent in March, so it's a pretty. It's the yeah. the swing is in is in full effect.
1: Well, and it seems. I mean, unfortunately I'm sure it's directly tied to you know the kind of uh, death spiral getting closer to people. Of like, you know, if you if you felt one way in March and then in June you have lost someone to this, it's very likely you're gonna feel different yeah so it's uh, yeah yeah
0: and even on top of that i think that shows one thing everyone's like this administration is utter trash the party itself is trash because charlie cook uh for all my wonks out there from the cook political report he has shifted 20 house races to the left that's pretty big that means yeah. 20 things that were like toss up or maybe solidly red or whatever are or moving basically in favor of democrats that doesn't mean everything is going red to blue but the trend is going away from the Republicans. The Republicans needed to pick up 18 seats if they wanted to get the majority back. And the Mm -hmm. fact that 20 seats right now are shifting leftward is really, really bad sign for them as well. That's assuming everybody goes and fucking votes rather than looking at it and be like, oh, they're cooked, man. Too many people are dead. The people who give a fuck enough to vote will vote. No, everybody has to fucking vote. Um, So there's a lot. They've got a huge, huge uh, battle ahead of them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think to Jamie's point, like, I think in March, you know, the number that the, the jump that you said, you said 45 percent in March. Like, I think in March, people were still thinking that this was just like a city problem. Like, it was like, yeah. oh, well, it's just New York or whatever. And I do think right. that as people see, like, they they had a day with no deaths from coronavirus just a couple of days ago. Right. Yeah. Like, as we see this getting worse in other places, I think people are really grappling with what does it mean for me and my family and my loved ones to have this person like they have just a complete failure of of leadership in the White House and I think like even people who were once Trump allies like Hogan in Maryland are coming out saying like yeah I had to do it was clear that you know Larry Hogan said it was clear that there was no federal leadership and it's my job as governor of Maryland to like make sure my citizenry doesn't die so I had to act in absence of federal leadership I'm no big supporter of Larry Hogan but he's completely right that I think the more people who just wake up to the deadly death cult that is the Trump administration. The more that happens, the more people are seeing like today it's New York, tomorrow it's me. Right. Like how, like when right. you sit back and say like, Oh, well who cares? It's just immigrants or who cares? It's just New Yorkers or who cares? It's just women or who cares? It's just black people. It's like, like it, it will devour us all.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Hogan is actually in the news too, because he he apparently got a ton of tests from South Korea uh, when a, like a, a U.S. manufacturer was offering them, he's like, "No, I'm going to the South Korean ones," uh, and they're like, <laughs> Ex- "What?" They're right there, and then pe- I don't know. There's 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 some other test test things going on. Uh, well,
1: there was a there was an article just this morning too in in our area, Miles, about how. You know, L.A. County was the hotspot for Corona for the first several months, but now it is like starting to beat the suburbs around us in like Orange County and, and other areas that are starting to have higher rates. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you can't fucking ignore this stuff and just be like, oh, it's, it's like you were saying, Bridget, it's city people, it's poor people, it's, it's you know,
0: they it's, think it's like a fandom. <laughs> Right, it's like nah, <laughs> right. nah, nah. We're 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 fucking Patriots fans over here. That's a that's a fucking Rams problem. It's like right. no, we don't do that here. here. No, no, no. You live. Okay, how do I fucking put this? Imagine a bowl of water. Now put some food coloring in it. It may be on that one part at one point, but it will begin to uh, actually. There will be diffusion will take place, and your seemingly interconnectedness will you will you will you will begin to see that this is all the same uh, biosphere we live in and it can come to your doorstep as well. But I think that really is this mentality that people have. Like it's, I think it also the partisan divide also adds to it too, where people have created like, Oh, that's a thing that happens to Democrats or that's a thing that happens to Republicans. Like on the left and the right, there's this like weird, there's still this, these two, you know, like multiple multiverses that are like happening at the same time that, very few people are willing to be able to be like, no, it's it's kind of the same thing, but people are looking at it, have arrived at this place in their own fucked up way, but we also need to be able to see objectively what's going on.
2: Y'all, yeah. it, it makes me, it like, this is something that like, I almost can't even talk about because I get so infuriated when we talk about this kind of thing. Like, the conversation with the masks. It's like, it is the literal least you can do. It is a piece of fabric on your fucking face. you not covering you wear my it, face. I'm
0: not covering yeah, my like, face.
2: If you wear it... <laughs> People, people might not die. The worst thing that could happen if you wear one is that it might. There might be a piece of fucking fabric on your face. Just wear it. Like it's like it's like one of those things that just like it, well, in the fact that people have politicized it so much, and it's such a like like I saw. I, I can't remember who it was, but I saw some lawmaker who was talking about like how he would never wear a mask in a grocery store, and the anchor was like grilling him like, "What's the big problem with masks? Like, what is the big deal?" And empathy. he was like, "Well, yeah. It's like, is right. is it really?" Like the fact that we have politicized empathy, just like basic empathy for others. It's like, well, fuck that. I'm an American. It's my right to not give a shit about people. It's it's just so fucked.
0: That shows you how the pathology of this country and the mentality of what some Americans think it means to be American, which is I don't, dude, get the fuck away from me. This is America. I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want to do. And like, that's what they've reduced it to. Like, don't ever tell me anything.
1: It truly is just like, I mean, and and it's becoming worse and worse, but it's like the idea of individualism is completely, it's like fucking killing people, like this rugged individual. Uh, American mentality is genuinely harmful to other people because it discourages. you know, depending on where you're coming from, it can, that mindset actively discourages empathy for people yeah. who are not exactly like you or even just you specifically. Like it's, it's such a fucking slippery slope.
0: The, so, well, the, the good thing for the White House is Kellyanne Conway actually has devised a plan to just turn these poll numbers just right around. You know, let's just invert oh. these, baby. What about sixty percent approval? Her plan Neat. is this: uh, she believes that the president needs to bring back the daily coronavirus briefings, explicitly stating that quote his numbers were much higher when he was out there briefing everybody on a day by day basis about the coronavirus." End quote. Now. That makes sense if you completely forget why they fucking pulled the plug because that's when he was telling people to mainline Lysol to fucking fight the coronavirus. And that's when like, yo, 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 yo oh. d- 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 get this man off, get this fucking man off the fucking screen. And they were saying-
1: We were so young.
0: All, all of the reports from the White House at the time were people saying, oh man, these these briefings are killing him. He's just up there saying all kinds of nonsense. It's causing more confusion. This is actually not good. But but what's wild is they are so superficial or like reactionary and they're thinking they're like, well, poll numbers better then, so let's do the thing from then, even though that's not it wasn't tied to the fact that he was doing briefings. It was tied to the fact that people knew less about how awful the situation was.
2: Yeah, I feel like he, he aye it, aye. It, Trump doing those briefings. He would get on stage and say nonsense. And it would be like, well, is someone going to like, so, so should I drink Lysol? Like, yes, will you yes. be like, kill it? Like, you know, it's like, like.
1: I haven't <laughs> thought about the Lysol in a while, honestly. I'm like, God.
0: Yeah. What'd we you do? we were a, so
2: young.
1: Put a tube we sock really over were. your
0: mouth and just hit it with a
1: spring linen, crisp linen. That was linen, linen. ago that that was going on. Right. <laughs> and I think also like
2: thinking about like. You know, all of the dumb shit Trump and his administration, like the whole thing with the Goya beans, like people are dead and you and you have time to like two different people in your administration have time to pose with a photo shoot with some goddamn beans. Mm-hmm. Like this is what you're doing as people die. Like this is this is like what we get as a leader.
0: It's not at least that's a thing. It's like you'd think in the history books they're going to be yelling at us. They're like, what did these people think was going on? Like everything was right. so out in the open. And it was like, I don't know. what the fuck? <laughs> Like we just we've it's everything's become so unstable that it's even hard to like land on like, oh, fuck, what, what, where do we go from here? What is what are the actual transgressions that are occurring? Because there's so many and so frequent. It's hard to even know. Uh, OK, uh let's take a break, actually. And we'll be right back with some Burger King fart based uh, news. And we're back, and let's just check in All with right. with the king. Let's check in with the BK real quick. Ugh. Um. There was a video I... that came out with uh Mason, whatever his the the Walmart yodeling boy. I believe that was him because there's yodeling in this video. Oh, it's
1: Mason Ramsey. So right? it is. No, so it you. is.
0: And so he's out here <laughs> yodeling. But
1: we were so young.
0: Yeah, I know, right? Uh, he's out here. Um, yodeling his little butt off to like a fun commercial talking about how, you know, methane is a huge, huge problem, uh, in, in terms of like our agriculture, uh, because cows are releasing a lot of methane, a greenhouse gas. And the gist of it is sort of like, well, Burger King knows methane bad. So what we're going to do is make a new burger that will solve the methane problem. And you were going to, you're going to be able to eat so many burgers. You, you don't even know what to do. So, Yes, methane is a huge issue. Uh, and the logic of this Burger King campaign is that they are going to offer low methane beef patties, meaning that by adding lemongrass to the diets of like the cows, that they can reduce the methane emissions by about one third. I think on paper, that sounds pretty interesting. I'm like, oh, that's all you had to do? We can, you can cut down methane emissions by one third By just giving people uh, or these cows a little bit of lemonade, Mason
1: Ramsey. Yeah, yeah.
0: Go, go on, Mason. Tell me more. (laughs) Um, Now, there's a couple things about this. First of all, these beef patties are only for a limited time, and like are only available in a handful of cities. So, if you don't live in Miami, New York, Austin, Portland, or L.A., you're not going to see this shit. Uh, Even though this like campaign was meant to be like, Burger King has solved the greenhouse gas problems in our like with our red meat consumption. The other thing was that the fart stuff, right? This whole idea that, you know, the the farts are causing the methane, that's actually not true. Many uh, agricultural scientists and people who are like researching this are like, this is so fucking lame, this commercial, because 60% of the methane actually comes from their burps uh, and not from their their manure. 40% comes from manure. Uh, And yeah this one uh, scientist was saying, it's not the cow farts. Nearly all enteric methane from cattle is from belching. Suggesting otherwise turns this serious climate topic into a joke. I, I agree. And it's
2: it's funny it how does, the commercials yeah. really, like, they really want to talk about farts. Like, the commercial has, like, a, that, that kid going into, like, a cow ass. Like, it's like, yeah. they are really hyper-focused on the farts. They want to make sure that you got the, that, like, the farts are part of the conversation. They definitely, and someone's like, when you add the context that it's not even really about the farts, the fart's not even the, the big problem. Right. That becomes even more weird. It's like even more weird of a choice.
1: Yeah. I'm absolutely... I mean, this ugh, this is just like a miss on so many levels because it completely <laughs> misunderstands what... It doesn't know what it's talking about. It's using this, like, you know, kind of like irony-poisoned aesthetic that was really popular five years ago to give this misinformation to everybody. And it's not funny. I think that they think it's funny, and it's not. I just, oh, God. I mean, these this trend of... I feel like we've been talking about this on Zeitgeist for years at this point of, like, cool brand. It's, like, it's... we The, the curtain has been pulled aside. Like, yeah. we, we, it's not funny. It's not cool. And in this case, it's just, like, not even accurate. So Yeah, the science... The scientific
0: no. part of it is really fucking just so lame. So... You know, they're claiming, they're like, yeah, 100 to fucking just 100 grams of dried lemongrass is reducing it by 33% the methane emissions. So a lot of people who are looking at this like, okay can I see your scientific receipts, please? And here's where it becomes a fucking issue. The study that they're citing hasn't even gone through any kind of peer review, which I think is important because that's usually when your peers go, what the fuck is this, bro? This is not... (laughs) Classic nah nah peers. nah yeah <laughs> yo the <laughs> fuck nah y'all uh, uh, uh-uh. not this bro get go back um which you know is very important with any sort of scientific study so all the claims are relying on like it was like i think a cooperative study with like a lab in mexico and one in the u.s that they're saying oh we're going off the the results in the mexican lab uh because the u.s part of the study when they concluded theirs, they said, quote, the research was inconclusive and so far showed no methane reduction from lemongrass, end quote. So like, okay, shut the fuck. Okay, don't talk about that part.
1: Talk about
0: <laughs> the part uh that lets us get away with this just like ridiculous claim. And, you know, I think while that's interesting to talk about methane, I mean like there's like, you know, there's like restorative agriculture that's used for raising cattle. That's like an actual way to like look at how destructive that kind of uh this certain aspect of agri- agriculture can be but you know they make it a fart joke yeah. with the yodeling kid and then it's just like and it's, global warming it's all really? kind
1: <laughs> of rich coming from burger king too of just like are you really going to make this like standing on a pedestal style like we get it kind of joke when it's like no you're burger king like you've <laughs> done fuck no i mean that's
2: that's like their mo do you guys remember back in 2019 when they had they re- they released their real meals oh, like for those mental, mental health, health? awareness oh. So it'd be like instead of a happy meal, it's like you right. can get a pissed meal or a like yes meal. Like, oh I think God, that Burger I forgot King forgot about
1: the yes meal.
2: Yeah, like I think that they often like swing for the fences, and I guess I kind of I kind of like respect that. But often it's like,
0: babe, but no. Bridget, you know where this goes based on this logic. So if we had uh, mental health last time, or big swing on climate. What's what's been one of the bigger stories this year in society? That Burger King could wade the Not into.
2: racial Not racial justice.
0: I mean they might Burger wade King. in the waters <laughs> of racial justice. Thank you, Burger King. I'm here.
2: <laughs> I know. Like the like the like um Yeah, like the like they're gonna have like burgers named after slain civil rights icons or something like you don't have, like, it doesn't always have to be this cringe to be part of the conversation and part of the solution. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be some sort of, like, really over-the-top, cringy marketing point. campaign.
0: Stop trying to be part of the fucking conversation. Just right. be part of the fucking solution. I don't give, like, this doesn't, you, you wasted millions of dollars for what? To just, like, get, I don't know what that does for your sales. And in their minds, like, it's actually a great, like, sort of, like, sort of earth restorative justice kind of thing we can do with this. Why don't you just commit to becoming carbon neutral as quickly as possible right, as a company? Right. Let just do that. Because
1: it's not, I mean.
0: But again, I, yeah, I, right. I, the cynicism of like all this marketing and yeah.
1: It, but it only ever results in negative blowback. But I guess that that just ends up being a second wave of, you know, a second press cycle for them is the fact that they did it and then the fact that everyone uh, hates it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah.
2: And I guess it's just like more greenwashing. This is like what companies do. They, 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 there are, there are things like, corporations have so much they can do to combat climate injustice Mm -hmm. but it's so much easier to be like oh we have a little campaign with the yodeling kid about cow farts boom boom done
0: hi we're clorox we may have destroyed the earth with our chemicals can we give the sierra club a ridiculous donation so we can put their logo on our new green products and then you can completely forget what this company has been about since time immemorial okay thank you like that kind of cynical it's Dude, remember like when BP was coming with their greenwashing ads, like right after the the oil spill in the Gulf? I was like, wow, we're really acting like you guys are part. Okay, but it's I think for the most part though, people look at what's going on the TV and take that like a lot of this like marketing. Like, okay, well that's the reality. I guess they're thinking about it, so I don't have to, and I mm-hmm. can just can just eat my Mason Yodel burgers. Um, you know, and just to pivot and it's not a it's not a tr- real bad tangent but i thought mason's career would be a little bit further along than it is right now because he came he was you know i think that's the thing when you go viral real quick on twitter it's it's hard to take that you know to the next level but i was really
1: hoping for i worry him. about may i hope mason has good parents i i don't i every time i see mason there's just kind of an I start to feel a little concerned of like, is he okay? Are people looking out for him? Yeah, How old making is he? him do a Burger King commercial. He's like Thirteen. 13. He's, he's so he's little. Young. He's so young. Yeah. And see, this is
0: the thing. He's doing that. Uh I was watching that uh Showbiz Kids documentary that was Yay. on HBO. So good. And yes. he's like so he's good. he's entering that age where like he's he's losing his baby face and is now becoming like a pubescent child. And that's when like the industry goes, Oh look, bro, like Call us back when you grow into your face, kid. <laughs> it's we one thing see what you... happened
2: with Frankie Muniz. Yeah. Or Malcolm in the Middle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. up and spit you out. You hate to see it. Oh, but boy. I hope uh we'll see what happens to Mason Ramsey. You know, uh that's how far he's come. How far he mm-hmm. has come. All right. Well, Bridget, thank you so much for joining us on the Daily Zeitgeist. Guys. It's always an honor to have you. Please come back again and again and again. We always love having you.
2: I'm such an honor to be here. I will be back.
0: Mm. And before you go, please tell people where they can find you and follow you. Uh, Maybe listen to your new show.
2: Well, I'm glad that you asked. If you want to hear my new podcast, it is on iHeartRadio. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's called There Are No Girls on the Internet. Um, If you are listening to this on Monday, it's probably still on your new and noteworthy on Apple Podcasts. So check it out it explores the intersections of gender, race, marginalized identities and all things online so please yeah. check it out.
0: And I don't think of a better person to guide us through that than you Bridget so uh yeah if you yeah. if you like this show uh then you have to listen to Bridget show. That's just the rules. If you like, that's yeah, an rigid. order. Yeah,
2: <laughs> feminism is the law now, and then also, so was my podcast. <laughs> show me the yeah. Show me some of the There's show me yeah. yeah. Show me
0: some of the metrics, and I'll know if our entire audience did not migrate. I can do the I'll do some subtract some tra- subtraction, and shame on y'all, can. Yeah, it's just support. It's it's really I think a very uh, important topic right now too, especially when you consider some of the feedback you've been getting from just anonymous people oh. who like read the thing and they're like, "What are you talking about?"
2: Yeah, it's funny. People really, uh, there are some people out there that really don't like when whiteness and maleness are decentered in conversation. So, you know, we want all listeners. So, you know, everybody can benefit from hearing the history and the stories of marginalized people. So come one, come all.
0: All right. Uh, and is there a tweet that you like or other social media acts that you want to shout out?
2: Well, you can follow me on Instagram at Bridget Marie and DC. You can follow me on Twitter at Bridget Marie. And a tweet that I loved came from Ian Carmel. This is when all of the verified accounts were being locked on Twitter because of the Twitter oh, hack that happened right, last yeah. this week. And he said, verified accounts weren't locked out of Twitter. We were all getting the vaccine early because we're better and more valuable than you pathetic insects who didn't write three articles for BuzzFeed or appear on Comedy Central once or our general mills. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, wrote Hello? on BuzzFeed. Man, there are times when like, I... I used to, oh man, when the, the blue check used to mean something like five years ago to me, and I would always be like,
1: what the fuck? This, how, how,
0: you can get it just for doing that?
1: Damn. I, I picture like a one-time NYT op-ed person like shaking their fist, being like, the blue check used to mean something yeah. in this town. <laughs> Damn Back it. in my
2: day. Yeah. Uh,
0: First of all, before you tell me that my reservation didn't go through for this table, um, I'm just going to show you my Twitter account. Look next to my avatar. It's <laughs> a blue fucking check, you.
1: Don't look at the number of followers. Just look at the check.
0: Sir, you only have four followers? I have a blue check, though. I have a blue check. See, that's a difference. Okay. Um, Jamie, where can people find you, follow you, listen to you, and what's the tweet you like?
1: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jamie Loftus help Instagram at Jamie car superstar. Listen to the Bechdel cast. And I'm going to just give a quick shout out to a hometown hero who uh, passed away this week. Uh, so there's losses everywhere gang. Uh, stay, stay vigilant, protect your, protect your people. Uh, my elementary school principal and my mom's boss passed away This week, his name was Brian Rogan. He was the best. He was, um, and so that's something that my community at home has been dealing with. And um, they're encouraging people to check out the Brockton Educational Foundation and route donations there if you're feeling so inclined. He was the best. We're all really sad. And so, RIP Mr. Rogan.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, rest in peace. Oh, um, is there, what else? I guess I got to talk about some 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 of the nonsense i like okay well first you can find me on twitter and instagram and playstation network sometimes i've been gaming as much uh because life uh at miles of gray and also if you like 90 day fiance and just want to hear two stoners just rant about their favorite reality show check out my other podcast 420 day fiance because this is all 90 day talk um now some tweets that i like. First is from my co-host, actually, of 420 Day Fiance, Sophia Alexandra at the TheSophia. Uh, she tweeted, quote, Jews control the media. And she says, we don't even control you putting cinnamon and raisins in bagels, Greg. Uh, <laughs> good important fact. Uh, another one from another uh, just, you know, legendary guest on the show, Lacey Mosley at Diva Lacey. She says, I love that Gen Z talks shit about millennials economic progress like they aren't about to pay 100K for Zoom University. Ugh, <laughs> Dark also oh my god packs. And the last Lacey, one
2: Lacey is so funny.
0: <laughs> and the last one at Sny Red, S N Y Y R E D is just I don't know. I just the reading of it out loud just made me laugh. It just said, how are you 15 years old in 2020?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. I just for whatever that Explain reason yourself. I'm like. Yeah, how the fuck are you 15 and 20? What the fuck?
1: No. Mason?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Count for yourself. Uh, you can find us, uh, the show, at Daily Zeitgeist on Twitter, at The Daily Zeitgeist on, on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes.
1: Footnotes.
0: Thank you. Cheers, mate. Mm-hmm. Where we post all episodes and the songs we write out on. Today's no different. This is a track by Cornelius. He's a Japanese beat maker from oh, I, I probably the 90s, actually. Uh, but it's from his album called Phantasma, and the track is called Mic Check. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's got like it reminds me of DJ Shadow or like the Cut Chemist Newmark tracks that are like on a Jurassic 5 album. Uh, but it's cool because it's uh, a really interesting Mike Check sample that I think he's actually just voicing himself. The whole album's really kind of a trippy, uh, like sample based trip. Um, and it's always interesting, like, like Japanese sample based producers. I'm always interested in, uh, shout out to people, the best. okay going to ride out on that i guess we'll see y'all later today talk about what's trending until then peace and blessings and goodbye bye bye <laughs>